0: Therefore, shall make you free. He shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for February 12th, 2012. And today we're going to be covering a variety of different topics. Really, not anything in today's teaching regarding the health updates, but it's going to be more focused on current events, we're uh, really too many things for me to to list, but I'll just kind of give you a general overview. We're going to be talking about, the first thing we're going to be looking at is Valentine's Day, and I've never done a dedicated study on Valentine's Day, and it's really one of those holidays where I think what we're going to get into should suffice to cover the absolute, horrific, wicked origins of this holiday. Uh, Just like Xmas, just like Halloween, just like Ishtar, Easter, it's no different. Um, horrific origins, totally pagan, never had nothing to do with anything good ever. And we're going to be looking at that first. Uh, then we're going to be looking at a brief thing on actually how the apostles died in the Bible. And then a lot of the stuff on the surveillance state and the incredibly draconian Big Brother things that are being implemented right now in America through Department of Homeland Security and various factions of the government to uh, basically label everyday Americans as terrorists and and just trying to create this Big Brother surveillance state and and the things that have just been done in the last week to last month regarding that. Uh, And then... We're going to be looking, a uh, brief thing, at Eddie Long. The, uh, he has just been now crowned as a God King. Uh, the bisexual pedophile, Eddie Long, who we've, we've reported on. Uh, he's literally been crowned as a God King now. And um, just some other things regarding just the apostasy of the church. Really, that's what we're going to be looking at for the, for the remainder of this study. So, let's go right ahead and get into the first part which is entitled Be Nobody's Valentine. And this is from uh, Pastor David Meyer, who passed away, I believe, in the last year of Last Trumpet Ministries. And this is actually one of his tracks. And he's got one of, uh, it's like an online thing. And he came out of a very high-level occult background and has a very unique perspective on all of these uh, pagan holidays that we celebrate in America with the, you know the veneers that, that are put on them he actually tells you what's really going on uh, from a from a occultic uh, witchcraft type standpoint So each year on February 14th countless millions of people celebrate a day known as Saint. Valentine's Day millions of heart-shaped cards and boxes of chocolates are given as gifts. Even churches have Valentine parties on the so-called Day of Love. Uh, in schools, from preschool and kindergarten on up, children draw names from a box and exchange heart-shaped notes which pair off the children and is said to be all in fun. People of all ages get into the act, and the words that are heard everywhere on the day are, Be my Valentine. The sad fact is most people never question the origin of Of the customs that they involve themselves with, most people do not ask questions, but do do what everyone else does, never stopping to consider how Almighty God of Heaven feels about these activities. So, when we consider that St. Valentine's Day is a day of preoccupation with the heart, it is essential that we listen to the following words spoken by the Word of God regarding the heart. Uh, Jeremiah seventeen nine and ten the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it I the Lord search the heart I try the reins even to give every even to give every man according to his wages and according to the fruit of his doings and then also Proverbs twenty eight twenty six that says he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool but whoso walketh wisely he shall be delivered. So trusting in your own heart, (laughs) the Word of God says you're a fool. Whereas the world says, oh no, no, trust in your own heart. Your heart will never fail you or never lead you astray. It'll never, I mean, you know, it's what all the Hallmark commercials say. It's what, you know, all of like the, so many of the movies teach and things of this nature. And the Bible teaches the exact opposite thing. Exactly the opposite. So what you want to go by is the Word of God. And yes, if you're a born-again Christian, guided by the Holy Spirit, your heart's not necessarily going to deceive you, obviously, but you have to have that perspective, though, that of the big picture regarding the heart, you know, apart from the Word of God, apart from the Holy Spirit, um, the heart is deceitful above all things, so you, you, know, you have to bear that in mind. Christian, Christians should be known by their discernment and should be asking questions regarding Valentine's Day. What is the origin of this unusual day? Why is there a preoccupation with the color red? Where did the heart shape come from? Everything about that, and what does it mean? The heart shape. Well, that's because our hearts are exactly shaped like that. No, they're not. They're really not. If you actually dissect one, I have. I dissected human bodies for a whole year when I went to chiropractic college. They doesn't look like the heart-shaped box of candies. Okay? It doesn't. And when you find out what it actually represents, it's rather shocking. Uh, It's actually unbelievably shocking. Anyway, we'll get to that later. These and other questions will now be answered as we examine the roots and the pagan origin of this popular day. In the days of the Roman Empire, the month of February was the last and the shortest month of the day of the year. Okay, February originally had 30 days. Did you know that? February originally had 30 days. But when Julius Caesar named the month of July after himself, get it? July, Julius, July. He named the month of July after himself. He decided to make that month longer. The month of July, longer, by one day. And shortened February to 29 days, while making July 31 days. This is how full of themselves these guys were. They're like, well, we can decide the, you know, the days of the calendar were so powerful and godlike, or whatever power trip they were (laughs) on at that particular moment. Pride go- goeth before a fall, and haughty spirit before destruction is all I can really think of when I hear about that. So, anyway, he wanted to show everybody what a big man he was, and he's going to basically lengthen the month of July to 31 days. And the month of July is named after Julius Caesar, July Julius. And um, I always like the orange Julius. Like, they have those in the mall. You get those with the little orange Julius shakes. Remember those? Anyway, uh, so, yeah, so he had to show everybody what a big man he was. and then But what he did is he robbed a day from February. Okay, so then it was 29 days. Later, when Octavius Caesar, also known as Augustus, came to power, he named the month of August after himself. Because he didn't want to be outdone, obviously. Talk about one-upsmanship, you know. So no, no, he had to to show what a big man he was. And he he named the um, the month of August after himself. Augustus, August, get it? Okay. And not to be outdone, he also subtracted another day from poor February, which gave the month of August 31 days, and now February is down to 28 days. Kind of interesting, isn't it? So, poor February. Anyway, uh, to this day, it remains that very same way. February has 28 days. August still has 31 days. July still has 31 days. The ancient Romans believed that every month had a spirit that gained in strength and reached its peak at or apex of, uh, of power in the middle or the Ides of the month. The Ides. I-D-E-S. Remember, beware of the Ides of March. Okay, the Ides is the middle of the month. All right? So, this day was usually the 15th. Because most months, you know, on average, let's say they have 30 days. Okay? So the Ides would be the 15th day of the month. And it was this day when the witches or the augurs uh, or the soothsayers would work their magic. At least it was one of the main days they would work their magic. Why? Because the spirit they believed in that month had its, gained its power or reached its apex at that month. Therefore, their witchcraft had more power whenever they worked their ceremonies. Okay? And they still do this. Okay, The ancient Romans believed that every month had... Okay, no, I already read that. I'm sorry. The augur was a person filled with the spirit of divination. They're different devils and demons that occupy people that give them the ability of, let's say, divination. Fortune-telling. Precognition. This type of garbage. This type of witchcraft that's forbidden in the Bible and was punishable by death in the Bible if you, you know, were practicing it. So, an auger was filled with the spirit of divination, and the word auger is where we get the word inaugurate, which means to take omens. That's what the word inaugurate actually means, to take omens. Uh, Since February had been robbed by the Caesars, and had only 28 days now, the Ides of February, meaning the middle, became the 14th day of the month as opposed to the 15th day, which is what it usually was. Since the Ides of the month, or the middle, was celebrated on the preceding eve, the month of February was unique, because it was the 13th day that became the eve of the Ides of that month. Meaning, because the middle of the month was 14th, um, the Ides was actually celebrated on the previous eve, well, that would be the 13th day. Well, the 13th is the you know, number of rebellion, so from a witchcraft standpoint, it would be a very, very important, in, important day um, regarding that. And as a result, it became a very important pagan holiday in the Roman Empire. The sacred day of February 14th was called Lupercalia, or the Day of the Wolf. This was a day that was sacred to the sexual frenzy of the goddess Juno. Okay, so this was the, you know, no red flags so far. Okay, day of the wolf, sacred sexual frenzy day to the goddess Juno. You know, so far no red flags. Okay, this day was honored, this day also honored the Roman gods, Lupercus and Faunus, as well as the legendary twin brothers who supposedly founded Rome, Romulus and Remus. Okay? These two are said to have been suckled by wolves in a cave on the Palatine Hill in Rome. It's, I mean, you know, it's... it's it, I had a couple of friends, they were suckled by wolves in a cave, you know, growing up. I mean, it's, it's a common thing. Anybody who's anybody's done that. I mean, come on. Anyway, just a little sarcastic humor. Um... Yeah, so Romulus and Remus, uh, these are two who so had been suckled by wolves in a cave on Palatine Hill in Rome. The cave was called Lupercal, and was the center of the celebrating on the eve of Lupercalia, or February 14th. So this was like where everybody gathered in this cave to commemorate where Romulus and Remus was suckled by wolves. Okay, uh, on the um, and they did this on the eve of Lupercalia or February 14th. Now, parental guidance suggested for the next part. So, you might want to pause the recording. I'm not going to get into the gory graphic stuff, but, you know, I'm going to try to keep it as clean as possible. But I also think that, you know, we need to know the devices of Satan, lest he get an advantage of us. We need to understand the utter depravity of what this... Holiday, I mean holiday, I mean holy day, because this is a holy day to the pagans. That's where we get the word holiday from. It's a holy day to the pagans, and um, this is the next part that we're going to get into. Because what is what is Valentine's really all about? Well, we've already got into a little bit of it. I think we've hopefully already heard enough already to understand that there's some major major. Hugely red flag problems with this pagan holy day. Now, on this day of Lupercalia, which was named later named Valentine's Day, the Luperci or the priests of Lupercus, dressed in goatskins for a bloody ceremony. The priests of Lupercus, the wolf god, would sacrifice goats and a dog and then smear themselves with blood. These priests made red with sacrificial blood, would run around Palatine Hill in a wild frenzy while carrying a goatskin thong called a febra Febura. Okay. So, so far, we just got a whole bunch of demon-possessed priests. They're all covered in blood from goats and a dog. They're running around in a wild frenzy. They're carrying a goatskin called a febra. Again, no red flags so far, so far. Women would then sit around the hill as the bloody priests would strike them with the with the bloody goatskin thongs to make them fertile. It's a fertility holiday, just like Ishtar, Easter, the which is where we derive the word Easter from. Ishtar, the goddess Ishtar, the fertility goddess. Why we have bunnies, which are the fastest procreating mammal, representing. Ishtar, and we have the, the colored eggs, eggs are, eggs are um, fertility, obviously, having to do with fertility, bunnies, Easter, fertility holiday, the whole nine yards. I mean, again, I've done a whole teaching on Easter, just key in Easter in, in the keyword search box, or Xmas, or Halloween, or these holidays. I Just go to contendingfortruth.com, search for the item that you're wanting to know about, and you I've generally done a teaching. Actually, last week's teaching was my 300th teaching. Uh, I've done way more parts than 300, but it was actually my 300th dedicated teaching. So, praise the Lord. I didn't, honestly, I never thought I would make it that far. I, I thought that, I don't know, I just didn't think I probably would <laughs> with the kind of material that I get into. But, praise the Lord. He's been merciful. So, anyway, um, um, let's go further here. Okay, so the women would sit around the hill. The priests are going crazy. They're they're striking the women. with the, the bloody priest would strike them with the goatskin thongs to make them fertile. Okay, the women fertile. The young women would then gather in the city, and their names were put in boxes. Okay, these love notes, also called billets, were also called billets. So again, you see the the similarities here? Be my Valentine, you're you're giving valentines out. This is the exact same garbage that they were doing in pagan Rome. Just a little different variation of it. So, they would, uh, the women would gather in the city, they would put their names in boxes, these love notes were also called billets. The men of Rome then would draw a billet, and the woman whose name was on it became his sexual partner, whom he would fornicate with until the next Lupercalia, or the next February 14th. So it's like he'd have this woman, I don't know, concubine, whatever you want to call it, who he could have sex with for the next year, until the next Valentine's Day. And it was like this random draw, it was like the lottery or something thus february 14th became a day of unbridled sexual lust the color red was sacred to that day because of the blood of the, the you know the, the they were the priests were covered in blood and you know and then the heart shape was also popular as well the heart shape was not represent was not a representation of the human heart though which looks nothing like it i can verify that Okay. This shape represents the human-female matrix, or the opening to the chamber of the sacred copulation. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, when the Gnostic Catholic Church began to get a foothold in Rome around the 3rd century AD, they became known as Valentinians. Gnostic Catholic Church. Some of my favorite buddies out there. Gnostic means hidden knowledge or occult knowledge. Catholic Church, you know, obviously... Uh, so, the Gnostic Catholic Church began to get a foothold in Rome around 3rd century AD. Really, all the Gnostic Catholic Church, or all the Catholic Church was, was it was just an amalgamation of what Rome already was. But what they did is they just started Christianizing pagan holidays. That's all they did. With Constantine around 318, when he was officially proclaiming himself to be the first pope. Now, all of this lukewarm christianization it didn't take place all at once but it started around that time and the roman catholic church was just a continuation of pagan rome in the holidays but what they did is they labeled the, started labeling the holidays with christian names in order to appease the lukewarm christians that would agree to participate in this Religion, okay? And it also didn't offend the pagans because they were already celebrating these same holidays anyway. They all had pagan origins. And yet people like me are demonized because, oh, you don't celebrate Christmas. How? What kind of Christian are you? I don't celebrate pagan holidays. I'm really sorry to burst your bubble. Uh, You mean I don't celebrate Saturnalia, which is what actually. Xmas or Christmas was actually called before it was Christmas. No, I don't celebrate Saturnalia. Which was actually the birth of the sun god, Tammuz. See, what the Catholic Church did is, they said, oh no, it's not the birth date of Tammuz anymore. The sun god. It's the birth date of Jesus Christ, the son of God. See, do you see how closely they parallel? It went from the birth date of the sun god, Tammuz, the Offspring of uh, Semiramis and um, Nimrod in Babylon, and then you can trace that same pagan deity through. They always have the 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 father, the mother, and in the and the son. Okay, all the pagan deities. And the pagan cultures always have this repeating pattern over and over again. And this is what the Zeitgeist movie tries to key on. And they say, see, Jesus is just a continuation of the whole pagan thing that's been throughout ever since Babylon. And we have documented proof to prove it. No, Jesus Christ was totally separate, totally different. Totally different deal altogether. And I prove that in the two teachings I've done on the Zeitgeist. And just keying the Zeitgeist. That word in the keyword search box at ContendingForTruth.com because we refuted both the Zeitgeist movie and the Zeitgeist Addendum movie as well. And it wasn't hard to do. It was rather simple. But, um, anyway, if because if, that's a big one. That's a big one that, that a lot of the uh, modern-day New Agers and, and pagans have tried to throw in the faces of Christians. See, yours you're is nothing but a continuation of all these pagan. No, it's not. Don't, don't lump us in with all that garbage because... True Bible-believing Christianity has nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with it. No matter how much they want to try to lump us in with that and lump us in, true Bible-believing Christians, in with the Catholic Church, because this is what people like that love to do. They love to lump true Bible-believing Christians in with the Catholic Church. See, the Catholic Church does do that. The Catholic Church does have their goddess Mary. And, you know, that whole... Mary, Son, Father, Deity thing, but they have paganized it. It is pagan, the way the Catholics do it. Anyway, I've thoroughly refuted that in these other teachings. So anyway, let's go further. So, when the, when the Gnostic Catholic Church began to get a foothold in Rome around third, the 3rd third century AD, they became known as the Valentinians. You see how we're getting now, oh wow, are actually starting to recognize some familiar terms. Valentinians like the Valentine's Day? Catholic Church? Hmm. Yeah, because they paganize all these holidays. Or no, no, they Christianize them, pseudo Christianize them, in order to make it palatable for people who would identify themselves as Christians to come into the Catholic cult which is all it is, is—is a cult. The Catholic Valentinians retained the sexual license of the festival in what they called, quote, angels in a nuptial chamber, which was also called the Sacrament of Copulation. Talk about sickening. This was said to be a reenactment of the marriage of Sophia and the Redeemer. As the participants of the February 14th ritual began their sexual sacrament, presided over and watched by the priests known as Valentinians, the following liturgy was actually spoken. And it said, quote, Let the seed of light descend into thy bridal chamber, receive the bridegroom, open thine arms to embrace him. Behold, grace has descended upon thee. End of quote. So, the Catholics took this overtly evil, totally satanic pagan holiday from Rome, just like they did with Saturnalia and turned it into Xmas. just like they did with with um, the celebration of, of Easter, which was already pagan. They're, they're, that was that was the word they had back then anyway, and it was an offshoot of the um, of the term Ishtar, the fertility goddess. Catholics did the exact same thing with Valentine's Day, and they turned it into some supposed Christianized sacramental hell day that they said was Christian in order to make it palatable for the pagans and for the pseudo and for the Catholics or the pseudo-Christians that were in that cult or were thinking about coming into the cult. They were trying to appeal to as many people as possible and make it palatable for them to come into their cult. You know, they're like used car salesmen. And they're trying to, to get the biggest demographic they can get. That's what it's all about. As time went on, the Orthodox Church suppressed the Gnostic Catholics and manufactured, quote, St. Valentine's Day, whose day continues to be celebrated in these modern times. It should be without saying that Christians should avoid Valentine's Day like the plague. In God's eyes, it's still called Lupercalia, or the Day of the Wolf. Men become wolves as they carry on the satanic rituals described above. Obviously, most people don't celebrate it that way. But the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, the foundation of this was already corrupt. This is what I love about Xmas, Christmas. I love it. Oh, don't take the Christ out of Christmas. Don't you dare. Christ was never in Christmas. He never had nothing to do with it. If Jesus Christ was alive, he would be rebuking all the Christians that are celebrating this pagan holiday. He was never in Christmas. The foundations were corrupt from its very inception, when it was known as Saturnalia, which is what it should be still known as. Well, we can take something that was bad and use it for good. No, if the foundations be destroyed, what was the foundation? Pure paganism and evil and debauchery, sexual debauchery, human sacrifice. We can use it for good. I, just, I don't see any Bible for doing that. I see abstain from all appearance of evil. I see learn not the way of the heathen. And I could go on and on and on with different Bible verses. But what would my family say? I really don't, what does it matter? Your life's not a popularity contest as a Christian. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. You just have to bow up, man up, whatever you want to say, and just stop doing it. Because, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. Particularly once you know about this stuff, if you don't do anything about it, and you're and you're a born-again Bible-believing Christian, well, expect to be chastened of God. Expect to have the punishment from God or the chastening or the spanking or whatever you want to call it, coming. Because whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. A bastard is an illegitimate son. So people that do this stuff, and they do it year after year after year and this and that, and they don't, well, and you don't ever see any chastening of gods on their life, especially after they're aware that it's a pagan holiday. Then there's a problem. Um, because you should see God's chastening on a Christian's life, if they're doing wrong. So, and this is wrong. <laughs> I mean, hopefully we've proven clearly that this is wrong. And again, I haven't done, obviously, this isn't the teaching on Exodus or Ishtar, but listen to those teachings. I, 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 actually, in those other teachings, what I give you is far more overwhelming, because the teaching's much longer, and we go into much greater depth. Okay, then we're going to go into here with Valentine's Day. So um, going further here, in conclusion, we must ask ourselves, should a true Christian be associated in any way with this celebration and its evil roots? Should we be doing what the heathen have done for so many years and to try and just to try to justify it as love? Jeremiah 10:2, Says, thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen. Okay, now if what I described wasn't pagan or heathen or witchcraft, I, then I don't really know what is. We're not supposed to learn the way of the heathen. This is just a modified version of what they did way back when. Okay, it's just a more sanitized version. But Satan really don't care. Satan don't care as long as he's getting us to sin. This is why the Bible says in Hosea 4.6 that my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, and thou shalt be a priest to me no more, and I will also reject your children. If you keep reading Hosea 4, six, now that's more of a paraphrase what I just said, but it does say that. So, really, knowledge is not something we want to go around rejecting. If it's true knowledge. The Bible says in Daniel that that many are going to run to and fro in the end times and knowledge will increase. But that knowledge is most likely going to be deception knowledge. It's going to be deceiving. I mean, look at the internet. I mean, how much has that made knowledge in general go up? That doesn't mean that the knowledge is, is, is true knowledge or good knowledge or knowledge that will lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ or to the word of God. There's a lot of knowledge out there. Um, 2 Corinthians 2.11 lest Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Well, there's more devices of Satan now than there's ever been, ever. There's more false knowledge out there. There's more cults out there. There's more offshoots of pseudo-Christianity than I could possibly ever cover. There are more denominations now and more, so much garbage. That's why I tell people, don't follow me. Follow the word of God. Get a King James Bible. Follow the word of God. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Man can fail you. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose hard to part from the Lord. Jeremiah seventeen five. Okay? So you don't put your trust in a man. You put your trust in the word of God. But he does not want us to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. And the Bible goes on to say in, in 2 Thessalonians, regarding the end times, after he talks about the Antichrist being revealed and, and, and the falling away of the church and these types of things, that for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So see, the truth needs to be grounded in true knowledge, obviously. So you've got to really be picky on what knowledge you're choosing to believe. It's not just like all knowledge. It's not like all knowledge is equally valid. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So... If you feel like, well, I've, I've got such a hard time with all this, pray for the fear of God. Because the fear of God is the beginning of understanding, of knowledge, of wisdom. So you need understanding and wisdom to process the knowledge. Think about that. you got to have, I mean, you can have knowledge all day long, but you got to have understanding and wisdom to process the knowledge and to be able to ferret out good knowledge from bad knowledge. So you need more fear of God right now than you would ever need in times past. Why? Because there's more knowledge and more garbage and more deception now than there's ever been. And then we got the Antichrist, the false prophet, who will be coming, making their, their debut probably pretty soon here. And they're going to deceive the whole world through miracles and signs and lying wonders. And then, you know, you better be grounded in the in the word of God And in the Lord Jesus Christ, as a born again Christian, and have your solid rock, have your house built on the solid rock of Christ Jesus, for when the winds come and the rains come and all these things, you won't be moved if you're built on the solid rock of Christ Jesus. But if you're not, I mean, how are they going to? The Bible says they deceive the whole world, essentially. And it says if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect, the false. Christ in these types of things coming it says that in Matthew 24: 24, 24 regarding the end times they shall if I mean if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect well Jesus Christ kept saying be not deceived be not deceived learn not the way of the heathen Romans uh, 12 2 says answer answers this as well and it says and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, when you're celebrating Valentine's Day, you're conforming yourself to this world. You're conforming there, yourself to something that the world celebrates, and would you would be in lockstep with the world. You mean, I mean, I would imagine almost most Christians, the vast, vast, vast majority, are celebrating Valentine's Day just like the rest of the world. You know, they don't see anything wrong with it. A lot of them, it's their favorite holiday. Oh, it's the holiday of love. No, it's the holiday of unbridled pig and sexual lust. Kind of got a little bit off there, as we've proven. But when you're doing this, you're conforming yourself to the world. First uh, John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Now, again, you look at what we just talked about with the origins of Valentine's Day. And you look at even today. I mean, oh, you know, you've got to go all out for Valentine's Day. And it's the day you've got to show what a romantic you are. And, and you do this for your wife or your husband or whatever. And... A lot of it, the the bottom line is, let's be real honest here, a lot of it, what's the motivation? Well, the motivation, from what I can see, and I'm just being flat out honest, I mean, to me, the motivation is okay, um, what, um, what am I going to get out of it? From, you know, the obvious standpoint, I don't really want to say a whole lot more, but you know, you, you know where I'm going with this, you know, um, That's the whole motivation behind the holiday, if we're all honest with ourselves, pretty much. You know? (laughs) Okay, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Now, there's also devils and demons that emanate and operate through this pagan holy day that are operating through you, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, if you're participating in it. So there's an unseen aspect of this. Remember, it's the middle of the month. It's when the witches and the warlocks and these types of people did their magic. They will literally go, and even to this day, they will release spirits of lust and debauchery and whatever on the masses. And if you're participating in these holidays, you're you've got open doors, like barn doors, in your soul that will that are you're making yourself vulnerable to Satan and the devices of Satan. So, and for all this that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So, it ends by saying the shocking information in this track can easily be verified in any public library. If you want more information, please contact us. At, and they give the, the um, actual address for Last Trumpet Ministries. And I also give you the link to this actual track. I added some stuff in there. Just some more Bible verses that were coming into my head as I was reading some of this stuff. Um, so that's that's all I'm going to say about Valentine's Day. I don't think we need to do much more of a study on it than that. Um, it, but you'll be able to access this study if you just can in Valentine's. If you ever want to come back to it, it'll it'll show up for this teaching for uh, February 12, 2012. So let's go further now. How the apostles of the Bible died. According to both tradition and church history. Now again, there there may be some people that would say, oh yeah, but this and that. Okay. Alright. Were any of us there? No. But according to, to, to tradition and church history. These are widely accepted views of how the apostles died. Okay, Number one, Matthew suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia, was killed by a sword, by a sword wound. Mark died in Alexandria, Egypt, after being dragged by horses through the streets until he was dead. Luke, Luke the physician, was hanged in Greece as a result of his tremendous preaching to the lost. John, faced martyrdom when he was boiled in a huge basin of boiling oil during a wave of persecution in Rome. However, he was miraculously delivered from death. John was then sentenced to the mines on the prison island of Patmos, where he wrote the book of Revelation. The apostle John was later freed and returned to serve as the bishop of Edessa in modern Turkey. He died as an old man, the only apostle to die peacefully. Peter, He was crucified upside down on an X-shaped cross. According to the church tradition, it was because he told his tormentors that he felt unworthy to die in the same way that Jesus Christ had died. James the Just, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, was thrown over a 100 feet down from the southeast pinnacle of the temple when he refused to deny his faith in Jesus Christ. When they discovered that he survived the fall, his enemies beat James to death with a fuller's club. This is the same pinnacle where Satan had taken Jesus during the temptation. After he came out of the desert for 40 days, same, and he lived. And then they beat him to death after that. James the Great, the son of Zebedee, a famous writer that goes by the name Clemens Alexandrius, once wrote about how James the Apostle had died. Alexandrius commented on how James' state of mind was while he was being led to his execution. Get this. Alexandrius wrote about how James had shown extraordinary courage. He pointed out that James was so brave that he had impressed one of the guards to such a degree that the guard had fallen down on his knees and asked James for forgiveness, and confessed that he too was a Christian. The guard had also made the remark that James James should not die alone, and so it was that with his request and this discovery about the guard's faith, that both James and the guard were beheaded by the sword that very same day. Man. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. This is some humbling stuff. Bar- Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, was a missionary to Asia. He witnessed for our Lord in present-day Turkey. Bartholomew was martyred for his preaching in Armenia, where he was flayed to death by a whip. Andrew was crucified on an x ship cross in Patras, Greece. Patras, Greece. After being whipped severely by seven soldiers, they tied his body to a cross with cords to prolong his agony. His followers reported that when he was led toward the cross, Andrew saluted it in these words. I can hardly get through this uh, crying. He said, I have long desired and expected this happy hour. The cross has been consecrated by the blood of by the body of Christ hanging on it. He continued to preach to his tormentors for two days until he expired. (laughs) He said, I've long desired and expected his happy hour. (laughs) God bless him.
1: I mean, I don't know,
0: you can't help but love love them, you know. To them, death was the door, you know. It was the long-waited, expected time when they were going to go be with Jesus Christ. You know, and the other Christians that had passed away. That, I mean, wow, praise the Lord. They could only do that through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't in and of yourself muster this kind of courage up. You can't do it. It has to be through the Lord. It has to be through as a born-again Christian. You just can't do it any other way. Thomas was stabbed with a spear in India during one of his missionary trips to establish the church in the subcontinent. Jude was killed with arrows when he refused to deny his faith in Christ. Matthias, the apostle chosen to replace the traitor Judas Iscariot, was stoned and then beheaded. Paul was tortured and then beheaded by the evil emperor Nero in Rome in 67 AD. Paul endured a lengthy imprisonment and was allowed which allowed him to write many of his epistles to the churches he had formed through the Roman Empire. These letters, which taught many of the foundational doctrines of Christianity, form a large portion of the New Testament. Perhaps this is a reminder to us that our sufferings here, at least up to this present point, and this is to my you know most of my listeners, I would imagine, we're not undergoing this type of persecution. Not to say that not all, not to say that there haven't been millions in this last century that haven't suffered and died for Christ. But, uh, our sufferings are indeed minor compared to the intense persecution and cold cruelty faced by the apostles and the disciples during their times for the sake of the faith. Matthew 10.22 says, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end the same shall be saved. Hebrews 11.33-39 through says, says and this is like the Hall of Fame of Faith they've referred to it sometimes in the Bible um, where it starts talking about how um, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11:33 says who through faith meaning these the people that they were talking about in this 11th chapter of Hebrews, And others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. That's that's the verse that always comes into my head when I see this stuff. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. All these and all these having obtained a good report through faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Again, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For you say by grace through faith And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith in who? Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. That is the faith we're in reference to here. So, um... Let's see here. We're going to go to the next article, which we're going to shift gears radically. But in a way, we're talking about these people that were martyred—the the very start and inception of the of the Christian Church—and um, at that time period. And now we're going to be talking about the a lot of the things that the government is planning in order to bring back the same level of persecution and to make it legal. You know, the Bible talks about the wicked governments that frameth frameth mischief by a law. And this is what we're in reference to here. They're framing mischief. They're framing evil. I mean, when you think of mischief, you think, oh, that little mischievous rascal. You know, we're talking about flat-out evil. They're framing... You know, like the framers of the Constitution. You ever heard that expression? They frame the Constitution. Well, now they're framing mischief, they're framing this evil by a law so that their illegal Gestapo, New World Order, satanic police actions that they'll be taking will be all legal-like, essentially. Um, This is uh, America's planned... Absolute dictatorship is quickly bringing on board the kind of surveillance system which former dictators could only dream about. See, they wouldn't have had the technology, like Hitler didn't have this type of technology, in other words, or Stalin, or Mao Zedong, or Pol Pot. They didn't have these technologies. Um, Not only is the government conducting surveillance electronically from audio snooping systems and cameras everywhere, now it is setting up a nationwide system of high-flying drones, uh, this is from the Washington Times. Uh, drones over the U.S. get the okay by Congress. Uh, it goes, starts by saying, look up in the sky, it's a drone and it's watching you. What? That's what the privacy advocates fear from a bill Congress passed this week to make it easier for the government to fly unmanned space planes in U.S. airspace. The FAA Reauthorization Act, which President Obama is expected to sign also orders that Federal Aviation Administration to develop regulations for the testing and licensing of commercial drones by 2015. Notice the FAA Reauthorization Act orders the Federal Aviation Administration to to develop the regulation of drones by 2015. The FAA has no choice in this matter as they are being ordered to develop these awful machines. However, horrible... The prospect is that the government can keep track of tens of millions of average citizens as we are just attempting to go about our daily uh, business. There is another aspect to the subject of drones, which few people have thought of till now. Now, if you don't know what a drone is, I, I thought maybe I should mention that. It's basically these controlled, unmanned planes that are up in the air scanning the sky I'm not hundred percent sure exactly how fly they're gonna how high they're gonna fly whether it's going to be 200 feet or 2,000 feet um, but they have cameras in them they're scanning the thing the the, the, the terrain below them and um, that's what we're in reference to 30,000 of these things up in the air. And it really does harken back to like the Big Brother, nineteen eighty four, where you know the eye in the sky, man. I mean, it's this is what they're in reference to here. Um, these drones are also fully missile capable. These drones are killing civilians in Pakistan right now, in Af- uh, Afghanistan and Somalia. These drones could also be ordered by American authorities, like Homeland Security, to fire on a car in which a citizen who is deemed a, quote, domestic terrorist is riding. If the citizen's wife and children are in the car, well, that's too bad, they will just be deemed as, quote, collateral damage. The dissident will be dead, no matter if he did not have any opportunity to defend himself in a court of law, even though he was not told what charges he would face, and even though he received not one of his constitutional rights. So, this is where we're heading. Our government is systematically passing dictatorial laws, regulations, and capabilities, but not implementing them immediately. These massive laws and regulations, which have been passed since 9-11, will be implemented quickly, though, once World War III begins. Because it's the order out of chaos. Ordo ab cal, which is the 33rd degree Freemason motto. They're going to bring their new world order out of the chaos of World War III. Now, they do that with all disasters they create. Let no good good crisis go to waste is their motto, and they've literally been caught saying that, bragging about it. So, cutting edge, which is where this article came from, their view is that, uh, remember the objective of the Illuminati is to thrust America into an absolute dictatorship in less than 72 hours, shock and awe. Hit them hard, hit them quick. Kick them when they're down. Shock them. Don't let them, in other words, people aren't going to have time to adapt to the situation. This is what they're hoping. No one will be able to plant their survival seeds or use their stored food or use that emergency generator. Now, remember, that might be their plan. <laughs> I'm not buying into that. I'm not believing that God is going to just let people just be wholesale slaughtered, born-again Bible-believing Christians, and there's like there's no hope, and there's no hope for tomorrow. I don't buy into that. I don't see any Bible for that. God always preserves a remnant. But you got to have the faith to believe God can preserve you. You know, because if you don't have the faith to believe it, chances are you're not going to get preserved. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. It always boils back to faith, just like we were just talking about. And that's why I believe that, why the Bible says in Ephesians 6, where it talks about the full armor of God, it says, above all, taking up the shield of faith. Wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Well, what is this? This is all satanic. All this garbage is satanic. It may be taking place on a physical, in our physical dimension, but what is behind this? It's satanic. Above all, wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So it's more of a spiritual war than we when, than we re, we we would tend to focus on. Oh my word! It's a drone. It's military. It's bullets. It's yeah. But we don't battle against flesh and blood. But against princes and principalities and these types of things, okay? Rulers of wickedness, this is where the battle really is, okay? It's a spiritual battle. The weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. There's a lot of Bible verses that relate to that. So, um, you need to have the faith to believe that God can deliver you uh, out of any situation. So... Then it goes on to say, before people can consider dissidents can even react, they will be in prison. Well, again, that's their take. Um, I'm not that. That's that's almost like saying that, though, is almost like God doesn't exist. You know, that's not. There's no reading that. It's like, well, yeah, but it, I'm not going to write an article that like that and just end it that way. I'm going to interject what I believe from a biblical standpoint is applicable. Because if that's, I mean, it's like listening to Alex Jones. It's like, okay, is there a lot of things you can glean? Yeah, but where, is Alex Jones pointing anybody to the Lord Jesus Christ for, for, for the, the true protection? I mean, telling people they got to get saved and that's the most important thing and it's not just this physical battle that we're engaged in, but it's actually a spiritual battle? I, I, don't, I don't really see that being emphasized at all. You know, I mean, they're they're way ahead of us tech, technologically, and this and that, and to fight this battle on a, on a merely physical plane, we, we would get absolutely slaughtered. But we need to look at it from a biblical standpoint, from an end-time biblical standpoint, because if you can look at it from that standpoint, you won't get so downtrodden, and, and disheartened, and, and overwhelmed, and and you it's really important to do that cuz you have to have that balance there. When and this is what i don't see a lot of those i mean the alternative media in general i don't see them doing that at all. You know, it's like oh we're 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 going to we're going to fight him in our last dying breath and this type of thing. Was, some of them will say that and give you that impression. Okay. Well, yeah, but what does that matter if you die and go to hell? <laughs> what does that matter? And you have the faith to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ can protect you. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him, and delivereth them. That's a pretty cool verse. Why don't we Why don't we emphasize those types of verses as well? Well, that would imply that you're a born-again Christian, and that's not palatable for a lot of people. A lot of people just want to be patriots, and they want to go down swinging, and they want to go down, you know, whatever, Rambo-style. What does it matter if you end up plunging into hell afterward? And how's God going to get any glory from that anyway? But what if God delivers people that truly believe that the, they can be delivered by God and they have the faith to believe it because that's a prerequisite and that other people see this? Hmm. Will it be like Psalm 64 where it talks about the wicked and, and asks God to hide us from the secret counsel of the wicked and then it goes on to say, but God shall shoot at them, meaning the wicked with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded, so they shall make their own tongues to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away, and all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God. Both saved and unsaved, all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider of his doing, meaning God's doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. I think a lot of people could get saved through that. Why? Because God's getting the glory. That's what we want. God shares his glory with no one. We want God to get the glory. We want God to be the, our deliverer. You know, I, Yes, I think that there's certain physical preparations that if, if, if you can do it in a practical, that yes, I think it's a great idea. And there's Bible verses for that as well on, on physical preparations, prior, particularly if you see a cataclysm coming. I mean, the Bible says, Consider the ant. Stores up his food, you know, gathers his food in summer, so he has food to eat in the winter, essentially. I'm paraphrasing here. The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. You look at what Joseph did, how he stored up the food for those seven good years so that they could have food for the seven bad years. Was that unbiblical? If a man provided not for his own house, he is worse than an infidel and is denied the faith. Well, if a man sees the evil coming and he does no makes no preparations at all for his own house, well, you know what I'm saying? Now, I understand. Everybody's in different situations. Everybody's in different cash positions, in different situations, may have different convictions about a certain thing. It's not like we're all cookie cutter and we're all called to do the exact same thing. It is called the body of Christ for a reason. That's why the Bible talks about, you know, can the finger say to the eye, depart of me, I have no need of you. Everybody has different talents. everybody has different they're in different financial positions they're in different positions where maybe they can prepare one way or not. Some people are called to be you know do this or do that so I'm not making some blanket statement. I'm just kind of trying to give you the big picture so let's go further here uh, next article here, which is kind of a little bit more of an expansion on the last one. I give you a picture here of one of these drones um they're not like the size of a regular plane, I don't believe. They're, they're smaller. Um, and, and again, they're unmanned, so they're, I'm sure that the overhead's a lot less. The Federal Aviation Administration said that up to 30,000 drones could be in the airspace shared with airliners carrying passengers. Some types of surveillance drones are already being used by police departments across the country including in Montgomery County, Texas, where the Department of Homeland Security recently gave the go-ahead for law enforcement in the United States to deploy the Shadowhawk mini-drone helicopter that has the ability to tase subjects from above, as well as carry a 12-gauge shotgun and grenade launchers. So that seems pretty benign, you know. Anyway, uh, U.S. law enforcement bodies are already using drone technology to spy on Americans. In December, a Predator B drone was called in to conduct surveillance over a family farm in North Dakota as part of a SWAT team raid on the Brosart family who were suspects in the crime of st- stealing six missing cows. I'm not making this stuff up. <laughs> Send in the drones! making that song, Send in, the, Send in the Clowns? Remember that? Send in the drones. Anyway, um... So let's go further here. While preparing the use of surveillance drones against Americans, the U.S. government is also keen to characterize a myriad of behaviors and activities, no matter how normal or mundane, as potential indicators of terrorism. Encouraging citizens to spy on each other in a chilling throwback to how people were hired as informants under the East German Stasi. And we're going to get into that now. Where This is the next subject that we're going to actually discuss. Okay, so let's go further here. Uh, Next article. Purchasing a cup of coffee using a cash card instead of a uh, credit or debit or using Google Maps to view photos of sporting event stadiums in large cities and or installing software to protect your internet privacy on your mobile phone. These and many other mundane activities are now considered to be potential terrorist activities by the FBI. And the agency is now distributing a new series of of Nazi-like flyers as part of its new Communities Against Terrorism program that urges shop owners and others to report such, quote, suspicious activity to authorities. The Communities Against Terrorism program is funded by the Bureau of Justice Assistance through the SLAT program to provide law enforcement agencies with a tool to engage members of the local communities in the fight against terrorism And there's a link here to their double website. The SLAT program offers both on-site and online training, or indoctrination brainwashing, for coffee shop owners, financial institution employees, tattoo shop artists, and many others into how to spot potential terrorist activities. Included among the many propaganda flyers the FBI is distributing as part of the campaign are ones on how to spot terrorists at local hobby shops. And beauty supply stores, for instance, as well as flyers for owners of farm supply and home improvement stores. This this little flyer, gem warns internet cafe owners to watch out for those and report customers that always pay for their coffee in cash, as they could be terrorists. I've always felt that way. People that pay for their coffee in cash, how dare they? Who do they think they are? Oh, sorry, that would be like... You know, one of the things that I would do. (laughs) But anyway, um, another ridiculous flyer intended for owners of boat shops warned them to be on the lookout for people interested in becoming, get this, certified scuba divers. As they could be terrorists as well. I mean, this is chilling. I mean, wow. I I, I never knew that, wow, I guess I'm a terrorist too because I'm certified in that. I mean, I think my certification is way, way expired, but I did get certified at one point. I guess that makes me a terrorist. I knew I was a bad guy. Huh. I knew I couldn't be trusted. Anyway, to be sure be sure to check out the entire set of flyers here. And there's a link you can go to. A few years ago, the type of out, uh, this type of outlandish fear-mongering and Stasi style spying on citizens would have been considered a crazy Conspiracy theory by many, but today the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, with its See Something, Say Something campaign, the U.S. Transportation Security Administration's First Observer Citizen Spying Program, and the TSA's Visible Intermodal Prevention and Response, or VIPER, Internal Checkpoint Force, together with the FBI Spying Program, are making this police state nightmare in America a tangible reality for all of us to enjoy. So that's that article. Uh, let's see. Let's see if we can keep going on here. I'm kind of running out of time here. Um, here's the next article. As part of the effort to encourage business owners to spy on their customers, the FBI has labeled the bulk purchase of food as a potential indicator of terrorist activity, despite the fact that FEMA itself last year purchased $1 billion of storable food. the a uh, flyer aimed at military surplus stores produced under the auspices of the FBI's Community Against Terrorism Project, encourages owners to report people who make bulk purchases of items to include, which include meals ready to eat. Now, they're, they're potential terrorists too. Uh, according to the flyer, the FBI advises store owners to demand IDs from all new customers, as well as asking them questions about their purchases and being aware of suspicious statements. The flyer also characterizes paying with cash or demanding identity privacy as an indication of terrorism. The characterization by the feds of those who choose to protect themselves against rising food prices or a potential interruption in the food supply by purchasing storable foods as potential terrorists is not only chilling, but it's also completely hypocritical, because FEMA itself ordered $1 billion worth of dehydrated food in just one year, last year alone. Purchasing a total of 420 million meals. Are we to follow the FBI's advice and treat this as as suspicious activity? Should FEMA be reported to all other law enforcement agencies as a potential terrorist threat? Well, of course they should. Because they really are the terrorists. But again, woe unto them to call evil good and good evil. This is what we're getting into here more and more every single day. Okay, I just looked and I've got, I was trying to get all of this theme under this part one, but I just, I, I'm not going to be able to cover it all. So I'm going to go ahead and end part one here, and we will go to part two next. probably going to be about a three-part teaching for today. So God bless you, and we'll see you in part two. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U uth.com Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson 2nd line 450 Conover C-O-N-O-V-R Boulevard West n- number 202 3rd line Conover, North Carolina 28613 or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com Thank you and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.